Welcome to Strictly Business, Variety's weekly podcast featuring conversations with industry leaders about the business of media and entertainment. I'm Cynthia Littleton, co-editor-in-chief of Variety. Today, my guest is David Rogier, founder and CEO of Masterclass. After working in venture capital, David got the inspiration for the online education platform from a bit of wisdom that he learned from his grandmother. Education is something that no one can take from you, she taught him. She also told him to learn from the best, and he took that to heart as he launched what became Masterclass in 2015. The lockdown conditions of the pandemic, as you might expect, was a big accelerant for Masterclass. In our conversation, David talks about the hurdles of getting the service up and running, the cold calls and the no's that came in before a few key people said yes. He also offers insight into the entrepreneur's burden, what he describes as the confidence you need to pursue your vision when everybody else thinks it's a bad or an impossible idea. It's all coming up on today's episode of Strictly Business. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Welcome back to Strictly Business. David Rogier. CEO and founder of Masterclass. Thank you for joining us today. It is a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. 
tell us now, as you look back on, you know, going on six years, of course, and counting of masterclass, can you talk us through, I mean, start with the spark of inspiration. What was it that made you, you know, marshal the forces and get what you needed together to, to, to put your first, you know, to plant your flag first with masterclass? I wanted to start something and, um, and, uh, and I had some time and fun and fun and funding to actually do it. And so, um, how it started, I was actually working in venture. I was actually working as an investor and, um, I was investing in companies and I actually missed building things. So I went to my boss at the time and I told him, thanks, thanks so much, but I actually want to go build. I'm going, I am going to quit. I think there was, you know, a little bit of shock on his face. Um, and then he asked me what I'm going to build. And I said, I don't know. <laughs> and he goes, well, why don't you think of some ideas and I will fund you. And I was like, I don't have an you know, idea or team. He's like, that's okay. And he wrote me a check to go think of ideas. And I was shocked. I, mean, I called my mom. I mean, I, I was just shocked. You must have been a very good employee. Yeah. <laughs> um, his job was to invest, right? Mm-hmm. In so, mm-hmm. you know, uh, there was, try- I mean, it was such a kind gesture and, and one that would have only, I think, have happened because I worked for him and knew him for a while. But mm-hmm. um, it was also, te- it, it it was terrifying. Um, it, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity that I don't want to mess up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and it was such a gift, but all of a sudden you go from having a structured job to having no structure and, and, you know, that was, and I didn't know what I, w- I was going to think of, but I felt pressure, you know, a, from him to come up with a great idea, I felt pressure from my, from my, from myself, right. Um, that this is a once a lifetime thing. I don't want to mess that up. And, you know, uh, everybody asks you what you are doing and you're like, you know, I'm trying to think of a great idea and, you know, I'm a little stressed about it and nobody gives you any empathy or anything. Right. Because, because it seems like it's, it is an amazing, op, you know, chance opportunity. Um, I, and I was, you were, if I may, I mean, you really were a blank slate at this point. You didn't, ha- you didn't have an idea of an area or a sector of interest. You were really kind of wide open. I mean, I had lots of ideas and thoughts um, and different frame, different ways to think about it. Things like, okay, what is something I really care about? What's something I need in life? What are other people's needs in life? What are trends in the market? I had a couple of ideas, but nothing that was, you know, I was sure about. And um, I, I, so I asked people for, I wanted their, I wanted their wisdom and advice. And somebody gave me a great constraint. She said, choose something that even if it fails, you are going to be proud of it. That was a, a brilliant constraint. And I think sometimes you really good advice. And sometimes having a bit of some rules or a box allows you to be more creative more, you know, allows your, your, you feel more free because you're like, okay, the thing has to be a half an hour show or a two hour movie, or I have a budget. This was like, if I do that constraint, then you're saying, okay, what's something that even if it fails, I'd be proud of. And, um, uh, I immediately thought of my grandmother. So I was in part raised by her. Um, and, um, I remember in, um, second grade, I went to her house after school one day. Um, I would usually stay with her after school. And, uh-huh. and, and I was complaining to her about all the math homework I had, which obviously I didn't have a lot because I'm in second grade. And my grandma tells me the story that when she was 16 years old, she was living at the time in Krakow, Poland. 
her and her mom went on a family vacation. Mm-hmm. While they're on vacation, the, the Nazis invaded. Um, they took everything. They killed her father. Her and her mom flee to New York City. Only job her and her mom can get is in a factory floor. Um, and they're working side. They, they are working side, side by side in the factory. And my grandma decides she wants to become a doctor. Finds every medical school in the state of New York, applies to all of them by hand. I think it was over 25 schools. She gets a no from every single one. Oh, my Keeps goodness. Working, exactly. She keeps working in the factory, um, applies again the next year, gets a no from every single one. She starts calling the deans of admissions and asking, why am I not getting in? They all hang up on her, except for this one guy who says, I'll be honest, you have three strikes against you. You're a woman, an immigrant, and you're a foreigner. Sorry, you are a woman, a immigrant, and you're Jewish, and hangs up the phone. My grandma keeps working in the factory, applies again the next year to all 25, gets into one school, and becomes a pediatrician. And I remember I was staring at her because I'm in second grade. I was just whining about math homework, and this was a heavy story to you know, get a response. And my grandma looks at me, and she's like, David, the point I'm trying to make to you is education is the only thing that someone can't take away from you. And I realized I got this one chance. I want to build something I'll be proud of even if it fails. I want to build something that other people can't take away from others. I want to try to make it possible for anybody in the world to learn from the best. Wow. That is some determination in your genes there that you can tell. I mean, she is my hero. (laughs) (laughs) What's her name? Um, Her name is Yanka. She passed away when when I was in college. That, you know, was the spark of the idea. I did, you know, um, I did more testing. I posted some ads on Craigslist, um, offered to pay people just to hear about their own educational path, mocked some things up, thought about why I don't take online classes. And then, you know, the idea came to try to get the best in the world to actually teach. Um, and we launched it about, five, you know, in, 2000, in 2015, we launched it. Mm-hmm. And you got you know, you got Dustin Hoffman, you, you got, you know, big names right off the start. How did you do that? How did you, how did you convince people to, to take a chance on something that was, you know, very new and, and even in a new format that we're now very familiar with, but weren't just, just five short years ago. Oh, it was really hard. I mean, the first, (laughs) I mean, everybody said it's a bad idea. It's not going to work. Those same people now say, I always told you it was going to be a great idea. Um, it, it was, you know, it was a lot of cold calling, cold emailing, talking to anybody who knows anybody. Um, you know, the the first three uh, were Dustin Hoffman, Serena, uh, Serena Williams, and James Pat and James Patterson. Um, right. After we had maybe five to ten, the flywheel started spinning, so it got easier and easier. I mean, we now say no to nine out of ten people, but you know, early on, it was ri- it was so hard. It was so hard. Mm-hmm. And how did you, um, di- how did the sort of design, there's a, there's a design to the classes and a, and a, there's a, there's a, a, a sense that kind of goes across them. Of course, they're different people and different subjects, but there's a kind of a rhythm and a pacing. Yeah. Did that come by trial and error? Or did you have a, did you at some point have a vision for what a master class would look like? I would love to say that we came into the first shoot with a, you know, a solid, vision that you know stayed true to now it was definitely a work in progress i mean we did test classes with my parents um 
So we filmed them. Um, our early classes were directed by uh, Jay Roach, who directed Meet the Parents. Sure. Um, and he's a fantastic director. Bill Gutentag, who's a two-time Academy Award win uh, doc filmmaker, directed early ones. Um, I mean, we got we had lots of help from lots of people, but it was a lot of, you know, what, you know, uh, we kept thinking, how do you bring the joy back to learning? If you talk to most people, if they liked school, the answer is no. If you ask most people if they love to learn, the answer is of course. And, and so there's a gap there. And so start thinking, what, how do you bring it back? And, you know, for us, the, the, the answer was why, you know, aspirationally, why can't it be as enthralling as a movie? Um, yet, you know, as educational as your favorite class in school and just trying to merge those two worlds. Um, and so from a pacing standpoint, mm -hmm. you know, how tight do you make it versus how much you let it air out? Um, how do you create a sense of intimacy? How long should it be? You know, making sure it doesn't feel scripted because that, you know, it has to feel, you want it to feel like you are sitting on a couch or a tent or a basketball court or a film set with these people. And they're just doing a brain dump to you of all the things that they wish somebody had taught them. Um, when did you get the sense that the business, like when did you get the sense the business was really having traction kind of in, in, in pop culture or at least among your target consumers? Yeah. I mean, the first day we launched, I went home crying because I thought it wasn't going to work because our <laughs> sales weren't as good as we I thought on the second day, I knew it was going to be a big business. Uh, <laughs> okay. So what changed? Yeah. I mean, um, I remember I went home the first day I cried actually, and I'm not a crier, but I was like, what am I going to do? Who, how am I going to go to all these people that, you know, really bet on me and us that this is going to work. And then the second day I went to the office and one of our marketing uh, team members was there and he had a big smile on his face. And I went to him, I was like, what, what's going on? He's like, this is going to be a huge business. I was like, wait, why? And he's like, look, if you look at the traction that we are getting, we can really blow this out. And, you know, it just kept growing and growing. Um, I think, though, you know, along the way, there's all different points where, you know, it's a step level function. I mean, getting the first three people to teach, that was huge. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, launching the Aaron Sorkin class was another step function, mm -hmm. the Christina Aguilera class. I mean, every year there's things. Last year, um, we we were spoofed on, on SNL. That was, you know, I mean, that, that was That's a real neat. tribute. You've made it. You've hit the pop culture consciousness. Yeah. It's very hard whenever you see that because you're like, they're making fun of us, <laughs> but it's, but it's funny. And, you know, and so, you know. It, and you it, probably saw a commensurate, you know, you probably saw a lot of traction after that. People going, you know, what is that thing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, that's uh and what did you do initially to get the word out? Was it like, was it all digital advertising? Did you spend any money on old fashioned TV or, or outdoor or anything? In the beginning, it was all digital. We've now do uh, print and out and outdoor and television. But in the beginning, I mean, you know, one of the best things about the internet is, you know, you can use these different platforms and sites to target people you think are going to be interested, right? You know, if you're an, mm -hmm. if you like photography and are an Annie Leibovitz fan, you know, probably you're going to be interested in taking her class. 
if you're a Walt Disney fan and in entrepreneurship, the Bob Iger class, you're probably going to want to take it. Um, so, you know, early on, it was very helpful to aim at that niches. But now, you know, we have over 100 classes across multiple fields. And so doing that broad based advertising works incredibly well for us now. Mm-hmm. So you must have a team, you must have like a real audience development team that kind of tracks how you, how you know kind of who to go, what the avenues are to reach the target demos for various classes. Do you still kind of employ that very targeted strategy? Oh, yeah. I mean, we do lots of work. I mean, in picking an instructor, who's, you know, um, who are they going to appeal to? Who's a, who, the thing they're teaching? Is that field? Who, who, what is that field that's going to appeal to folks? Um, you know, what things people want to learn from that person after we make the class? You know, what what parts do people like and not like? What parts they find impactful? And then the exact same thing on the mar- on the marketing side too. Um, you know, but what I think what's been really awesome I need to see is you know over the last couple of years as people have gotten more familiar with our brand. They will trust us with instructors that they maybe don't know, but are equally deserving and masterful. So, Mm -hmm. you know, for example, last year we launched a class with Ron Finley. Ron Finley is a self-described gangster gardener. Um, (laughs) And he's rebuilt parts of Los Angeles through planting and gardening. And is is a gardener and an amazing one, but also an, an activist. And, you know, we launched his class and people didn't hear of Ron Finley before this, right? They heard of a Martin Scorsese or a Christian Aguilera, but they're like, hey, you know, if Ron Finley's on the same site, he's probably pretty interesting. And they took his class and it did fantastically well because it's an amazing class, right? And so part of our responsibility and role is to find people you don't know, but once you do, you will love them and love them up. We'll pause here for a moment and be right back with more from Masterclass CEO, David Rogier. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. 
There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. And we're back with more from Masterclass CEO David Rogier. At what point along the way did you find that you needed to raise more capital for the business? A lot of points along the way. <laughs> um, you know, um, film production is expensive. <laughs> yes, uh, ask and, any yeah. Hollywood CEO. Yeah, so a bunch of times along the way. And also, you know, I, I want to grow as fast as we can and reach as many folks as much as possible. And I, I, and, um, and I, wanna, I want us to define the space. And so really, you know, we've raised, you know, quite, I think, you know, um, up to this, you know, point over 225 million. Um, and yeah, yeah. Did you find when you went out, did, in, did investors get it? Like if, since Not it was something they could see, did they get it or was it? They, at, first to- it was, at first it was very hard. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very few investors at first understood it. Now, you know, m- most do, but in, in the beginning it was, ve- it was very hard. And, and I think that's a part of entrepreneurship. I didn't, understand to be honest i think so much of our society and culture trains us to seek praise um, in the form of grades of a comp you know of a promotion at a job you know things like that and and, and starting a company or join or you know a, pr- a brand new project or join or to join one that isn't off the ground yet you have to reject those societal norms because you're by nature, you're choosing to do an idea that most people think is impossible because right. if they thought it was possible, they would be doing it. Right. But right. I mean, you know, anybody who started a project or wrote a piece that other people thought was going to be dumb. I mean, you're used to hearing that. And only after the idea works, do people, you know, get really jump on board with you. So you're you a genius. To, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I still do not hear that, but like, but you know, uh, but I, but I, I would, you know, I, I think you have to gain the self-confidence and faith that your ideas, even though other people might not think they're good, you still feel they're good. And that is a terrifying thought. But once it works, it builds a self-confidence that is addicting. Have you hit the break-even point? That's not something that we uh, share or disclose. But what, what I can tell you, I mean um, – the growth and traction that we have seen, not just this in the past year, but the year before that, I mean, was way past our forecasts and estimates. I mean, um, you know, 
before co before COVID, um, we were growing we were growing way above what even we had forecast and planned. In COVID, we didn't know what was going to happen. There were weeks that we were 10x year over yeah. year. Um, but to me, what's happened last year is an ex and it's ex it's acted as an accelerant of trends we believed were already true. Mm -hmm. Did you learn any, I was just about to ask you kind of what your learnings from the pandemic were. Did you see any, like, you know, as the world went into kind of shock in March and April, did you see a spike or did you see a decrease as people fit? Like, I'm curious if you saw patterns over the sort of the 12 month from like March to March. We did, but they're not easy to decipher. So we mm -hmm. definitely saw spikes. The hard part of deciphering it is not every country or every state was going was going through the same thing at the same time. True. Mm -hmm. So you have to really partition it out based on part of the world. Um, so it's very hard, you know, to to understand all those trends. Um, but one of the trends we saw, which was really interesting, is the what classes and what parts of classes people watched right. changed a lot. So one lesson that really spiked um, was uh, we have a negotiation class with Chris Voss, um, who's a former lead FBI hostage negotiator. And he has a chapter called Tactical Empathy, which is like how to deploy empathy in a way to get what you want. And it spiked. And we're like, why is that spiking? And you talk to people they're like, oh, I'm negotiating with my husband or with my wife or my kids. About who's going to get to work in the office or who's going to get on the <laughs> Wi-Fi now, right? And so we saw that spike. Ron Finley on the gardening side, we saw that spike a lot. We launched a class on interior, on interior, on interior, on interior design. That spiked. And then also a lot of the the business classes, so the Bob Iger, the Sarah Blakely's, uh, Anna Wintour, because people trying to figure out, I think, how to lead in this new era. And, and that's a book that hasn't been written yet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Did you find yourself, given the, the conditions that you knew a lot of, you know, the U.S. was in, did you find yourself adding classes to think, you know, looking to develop classes that might be appealed to people that are, you know, mostly stuck at home? Yes, and we were lu lu lucky that we'd already had some of those planned. Um, but we also saw, you know, um, we had a chess class with, we had, we actually had, we do have a chess class with um, Gary Kasparov and his uh -huh. Queen's Gambit spiked. We saw that class spiked. Um, we have classes from Penn and, Penn, Penn and Teller um, on magic. And we saw that spike with parents wanting to do it with their kids. Um, I'm thinking of other ones we saw spike. Uh, we have a Steph Steph Curry on bat on basketball. People doing that with their kids, and then also a lot of the acting and filmmaking classes. Um, I think people having time to dive into things they really cared about. You know, the Samuel L. Jackson, Spike Lee. I mean, those classes have done fantastic too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In, in generally speaking, not just in pandemic times, but over the over the years so far, are there certain topics that are just always popular for you, certain kind of broad themes of like cooking or business or anything like yeah. that? Yeah, I mean, cooking appeals to lots of people all the time. So everybody from, you know, Thomas Keller, Chef Ra Chef Ramsey, I mean, those, you know, those cooking classes always done well. But I mean, it's really what we found is interesting is people go broad. I mean, people are multi-height 
infinite. So you might start with the Steph Curry basketball class, but then love to take the like Steve Martin class. Um, and so people actually go broad in their interests, which is really neat. I made the assumption when we started talking that this is largely a U.S. business, but I know you do reach overseas. Can you characterize, you know, kind of what roughly like what percentage of businesses in the U.S. versus overseas? Yeah, about a third of our businesses outside the United States. That was shocking to us because our classes right now are only in English. Mm -hmm. um, in this year, we will launch in other languages in other parts of the world. But uh, it, it's been amazing to see that, you know, this desire to learn from the best is not an American trait, right? I mean, this is a global trait in, you know, humanity. Um, and so, yeah, we're very excited to launch internationally. And will you launch in, in will you launch versions in local languages? Yep, yep. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody is always saying they're looking for a scalable business. This is like, as you say, like, you know, education and learning at this level with these people is about, you know, would seem to be about as, about as scalable as it gets. I think so too. But, you know, early on in the beginning, you know, there were questions about that. Um, you know, how much appeal is there for this? You know, do people really want to learn? They're going to want to learn online. And I think, you know, this goes back to what you and I were discussing. You know, early on in a project, you have to, you are going to be doing things other people think are impossible or dumb or bad ideas. And that's okay. That's okay. Um, you know, right now in the media, in the media landscape, there's a lot of M&A activity. There's a lot of activity in the equities markets. A lot of talk about, you know, frothy market for IPOs and SPACs. Um, I've heard people talk about Masterclass potentially being a nice fit with you know, media, com media companies that have, you know, that have big television assets and have those kind of platforms. Is there any, is there a scenario that you are considering in which Masterclass, you know, has a transformation as a business? Would you consider a merger with a potential partner if, it, if the opportunity was right? It's not something I think about a lot, to be honest, because I think it's, it, it's for me, it's about the impact and reach. So I want to get, you know, I want to be in every household in the world. And I want, you know, someday, somebody, I want somebody to be able to take a class who have never had access to these people, get inspired, become a master and come back to actually teach. And, you know, uh, to me, it's about reach and impact. So, you know, there are ways to work with other people to maximize the reach, of course. Um, but it, it's, it's not something I spend a lot of time thinking about. Okay, well, we will absolutely stay tuned. David, tell me a little bit about your background. How did you find yourself at a venture capital company in the position to take to take that first step yeah. toward building this company? I was a curious kid from day one, um, but I also stuttered. I still do, but it was much worse as a kid. And lots of people who stutter, your first instinct in mine is, is like you want to hold back or you don't want to expose it. You don't want people to know, know that you stutter. And my parents would not allow that. I mean, my parents, when they had friends over to eat dinner, their expectation was that I sit with them and their friends, even as a young kid, and I engage in discussion with them. Mm -hmm. And my parents would not let me use that as an excuse for anything. And that was really hard. I was teased at school, but it, it also built that self-confidence a little bit that, hey, I have interesting things to say. Now, other people might not think that, but, you know, but, right. you know, but and that I think empowered me to, to ask questions more and to kind of chase that down. So I think, you know, combining that with wanting to do some good in the world kind of fueled me to 
to to want to find things and to do things and to learn and to and 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 I think you know from a very early age that's hard to say what led to idea masterclass but those were some of the bread some of the breadcrumbs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. I hear you. Um, let me ask you uh, as we wrap up here: um, Is there a person? Is do you have a wish list of somebody that that you'd love to have a class that you haven't quite been able to get to yet? Oh sure. Um, Are you gonna, will you tell yeah, me? Yeah, yeah, I'll share. I'll share. Um, and if anybody listens to this, and you know you are one of these people or no one of them, please let. Please I'm trying talk. to tee it up here. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Uh, I mean, look, I would love a class from Spielberg. I would love a class from Donald Glover. Um, I would love a class from Michelle and Barack o Obama. Elon Musk, we love that. I mean, there's lots of people we love. Thanks for listening. Be sure to leave us a review at Apple Podcasts. We love to hear from listeners. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Strictly Business.